Welcome to 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence, the podcast where we interview real people with real stories of taking charge of their time and reaching financial independence faster. And now, your host, Elisa Zen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. Today, I have Hadar Okibi from uh, master, uh, MIH uh, Mastermind. Uh, and Hadar is also a very successful founder and owner of um, a multifamily, MIH multifamily uh, investing. Um, and uh, so he is a avid multifamily investor as well as someone who uh, look forward to kind of teach what he learns in terms of ma- mindsets and deal flow, etc., to his peers. Um, so very grateful to have you, Hadar, today. And, uh, you know, we're long-term friends as well. We kind of go back away three years. So very excited to host him today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Elisa. I'm very excited to to be on your show. And uh, yeah, we've gone a long way. It's, it's great to finally uh, catch up doing that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so Hadar had a very interesting, um, you know, ha- how would you say live track record? Because he's kind of bouncing all over the places and that he's being a serial entrepreneur. So um, today I wanted to kind of take it all the way back, our viewers back. And just Hadar, I want to ask you the question about where did the entrepreneur bug kind of implant it into your head? Um, who and what incidents gave you the most impression uh, that kind of shaped who you are uh, as a serial entrepreneur today? If you think back into your kind of early childhood. It's a very good question, Elisa. And actually, no, but no one ever asked me that question. <laughs> uh, but I, I do, I do, I did kind of think about it. And uh, I think that uh, it's probably came from my, uh, my grandfather, from my mother's side. side. Actually, I did not, uh, was, I wasn't able to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, he immigrated to, the, to America uh, after the, or during, I would say, with his brother, the, the Second World War in, in the mm. 40s. Yeah. And uh, he settled down in Chicago and he, he was uh, gradually um, building a business and he, he did pretty well with his brother. And uh, that's how I am Amer- I'm an American citizen because my mother was born in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I got American citizenship through my mom. Um, but he, he was certainly an entrepreneurial spirit. He, was, uh, uh, he grew up quite a large business um, over the years. And um, I think I probably got it from him. Um, but, uh, but I think it's something that could potentially be in you you know, the desire to, to, to achieve certain things and, and having an open mind and, and being perhaps also a, a someone who is, has got some ideas that wants to implement. And, and uh, I think that's part of it. So uh, with that, though, um, I, uh, my older brother is 13 years older than me. Um, he, he, um, I kind of looked up for him when I was uh, in my early teens. And uh, he was really, um, he was living in the States for a while, while, while I was living in Israel, mm. but he was very successful. He was kind of like, you know, late 20s and uh, doing very well in his business, which is the jewelry business. And he was uh, always guy had nice cars, you know, a Corvette and, and ni- just nice, nice things and living the life. And uh, I kind of, uh, as, as, a, as a teenage uh, a person, I kind of looked up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, now my perspective is a bit different about about these type of things, but uh, generally speaking, I went to walk with them uh, when he 
left the States and came to Israel. He opened a jewelry business, a jewelry shop. And I went to work with him when I was about 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I learned a lot of, uh, uh, if you like the negotiation kind of uh, skills or, or even uh, how, to, how to treat customers and deal with people mm-hmm. um, uh, through, through observing him. And, and actually in a very early age, um, under 20, I was, I was sometime he was going on vacation and I was left to, to manage the, the, the store, the shop. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was a good uh, learning experience for me um, with that. That's awesome. Um, and how does one even, you know, start with the jewelry business? I got to ask because I'm always curious. It's, um, it's typically um, regarded as a kind of an ancient business. Uh-huh. Uh, being a goldsmith or a gemologist or, you know, trading in, in, in semi-precious stones and diamonds and stuff like that, it's, it's really something that typically it's a, it's a family-run business. Uh, you kind of get uh, pulled into it because your family was in it. Mm-hmm. So my, my brother, he, my older brother left school, I believe, when he was 15 or something. Yeah. And then he went to learn that. Uh, and, you know, we're talking very early uh, 1980s. Mm-hmm. So um, at, at that point, um, he learned that because he, he didn't want to be a car mechanic or anything else that, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, lad, if you want in his teenage, perhaps going to choose to do. Someone that, someone that wasn't uh, uh, maybe as good with the theoretical and studying and literature and all that, but maybe good with his hand or good with practical mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he went to, le- to learn that. And, uh, and, 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 and I kind of joined him because... Uh, um, I was also, you know, a person that is more good with people, more good with my with my uh, practical stuff, in opposed to uh, uh, getting great grades in uh, in physics and uh, mm-hmm. and all those, uh, you know, more more complicated things. Um, but uh, now it's actually changed because I kind of self self educated myself uh, mm-hmm. with everything in real estate through mentorship and through through reading a lot of books and surrounding myself with like minded people. Mm-hmm. But with the jewelry business, to answer your question, it's typically something that uh, it's like a watchmaker. You know, it's quite right. an an ancient. Uh, uh, you don't see a lot of actual proper jewelers these days. You do see modern ones that make some modern jewelries and company that have those those Pandoras and all those mm-hmm. mainly maybe one two designs or they design the product and then they duplicate it. They don't gotcha. actually make a lot from scratch. So mm-hmm. it's almost like being an artist really to be able to produce uh, uh, handmade jewelries. Um, yeah. So that, that's how I, I got into it. I did enjoy it for a while, but at some point I, I kind of um, figured out that uh, A, it's not my business. You know, I got, I, it wasn't my business. It was my brother's business. You were business. employee. Yeah. I was an employee for you. I had no room to grow there. Mm-hmm. A. And two, even more so, because I could have gone and opened my own jewelry business, my own right. store, I mean, not, not far. But, but, but two, I actually did not want to be tied to a store from nine to five, actually not from nine to five. We used to go to from nine o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock in the, in the late afternoon. Right. Uh, and, and I didn't want to do that. I, I'm more of an outgoing person. I want to be out. I want to be driving for dollar. I want to be the thing that we like to do. Right. Um, so I, then I, I quit. I went traveling in the, in the, in, in the far East, if you like. Yeah. Uh, in India. Thailand and all those places, yeah. and uh, and uh, in Nepal, and and uh, and then I came back and I got my license as a, as a real estate agent. In so was that traveling kind of like a part of a soul searching? You know, how yeah. long were you traveling? Yes, yes, I was traveling when I left when I left the the jewelry business. Uh, I was traveling at some point. 
I knew I knew that I'm getting out of there. And and I, the first time I went traveling to Ibiza, actually, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a Spanish it's island, party yeah. island. I spent I spent about three months over there with some friends. Uh, we kept extending it, um, and then I came back for about I think maybe two months, and then I went to India for another three months, uh, and I travel and then I met my my now wife. I met her in India. She was traveling as well, and I traveled mm-hmm. on my own for a while. Then we met and we did India, Nepal, and Thailand, and um, and then things started evolving. Um, as being more uh, doing what I wanted to do, kind of. Mm-hmm. It did start with soul searching, but it evolved into gradually understanding that you know I I, I prefer to do what I have the, have the freedom to do what I want to do, and right. I grabbed the bull by the horn and and just did it and got mm-hmm. my license and. So you on. decided that real estate agent is something that you like to do, doing real estate, uh, buying and selling, investing in real estate is kind of what you want to do. Now, where does that transition comes from? Is there an incident or a particular moment where you just like, this is it. This is what I want to spend maybe the next five, 10 years with uh, doing. So, so actually real estate agent wasn't uh, what I wanted to do. I, I kind of did it. Uh, I was I was quite confused, you know. I was in my early twenties. I went with, with, with to walk with my brother, which kind of my my, my father kind of uh, 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 I won't say pushed me, but he he recommended that to me as something, and I kind of looked looked up for my for my brother. So I wanted to 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 emulate the success, if you like. Right. Uh, but but I was really uh, uh, quite confused, um, and uh, being a real estate agent chasing the commission. And and uh, and walking in that side of the spectrum of real estate actually wasn't wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't I wasn't enjoying it. So at some point, um, I would like to mention as well my father being investing in real estate for uh, for many many years for forty years. Oh wow! So he he, he gradually bought some apartments and, and in Israel and, and that and mm-hmm. you know without leverage just slowly slowly. And I helped mm-hmm. them to renovate. When I came back from India, I can't and far east. I went and I helped him do some renovation, painting and whatever I could because I had no work and he paid me a little bit uh, to help him out. Not a lot. Uh, and uh, and then I realized I kind of enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, the proud of ownership and enjoyed the, the and I, was, I used to go with him and see how he collects checks, you know, from, <laughs> from renters. And, yeah. and that's kind of resonated with me. Hey, that's a passive income. But I got my license in Israel just to get to know the industry. Gotcha. Um, so, so it was very good to know. I mean, it was a very good education to to understand the legalities and understand some mm-hmm. things about it. Uh, but fast enough, I, I realized that I want to be on the other side of the spectrum, which mm-hmm. is being an investor. Right. But I really, I really caught the bug when I came when we immigrated from to New Zealand from Israel. I was really in the early 2000, you know, the market was really taking off from about 2002 mm-hmm. till about 2005 or, or six. It was it was booming and um, it was in the media everywhere. You know, a lot of education, a lot of books came up and, and right. I, I got attracted to it. And um, I went to one one kind of one day uh, event that was not far from where I was. And I was since then I met this guy who is a veteran investor and mm-hmm. and, and I, I got the concept of passive income and owning those houses that generate uh, rent which you could potentially uh, create passive income from yeah um, and I got hooked yeah. um, and I started investing and I started as a wholesaler 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did a lot of uh, no money down deals like uh, contemporaneous closing, double closing mm-hmm. or, or assignments of contract. And gradually I built some deposit and I started buying my own buy and hold. Gotcha. Um, so at some point, though, um, I, I realized that uh, they ha- I bought the houses or I bought the house, which was two flats, two apartments. Mm-hmm. I realized that uh, that I can't scale that model because once you bought not only the market in New Zealand appreciated so much, you know, I started in, in a good time, but yeah. over, the, over the next five years from 2000 uh, to, to the late 2000, even like 2010 onwards, the yeah. returns really compressed in New Zealand. The market became like Seattle, mm-hmm. like Boston, you know, like LA. And that put me in a position that uh, I can't scale my business anymore because my, the, 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 the prices compressed, uh, I mean, the prices grow, the rent didn't come up with the gotcha. uh, prices. So there's no cash flow. You're basically yeah. li- leverage locked. Leverage gotcha. locked that you borrowed enough money or, as much as you could, but you can't borrow anymore mm-hmm. on your own. Gotcha. And, so, uh, so the personal debt income ratio was kind of hitting the ceiling with the loans and et cetera. So did you do all conventional loans with New Zealand? Um, like in, in New Zealand when you bought these kind of residential holdings? Yes, there is not a lot of option in New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, at all. It's not like in, in the States that you got right. uh, many different avenues. But back in the early 2000s, there were two main avenues. One was the mainstream banks, you know, mm-hmm. which which 90% of them are actually owned by Australian bank. So oh, there's, no, there's no personal relationship. It's not like the community banks in the States that right. I love. You know, if if, if the if the if you have got a relationship with a community bank, they will they will help you to grow your business, and they will they go through the committee and support you and, and allow you to mm-hmm. to borrow money if they see that you're a professional. Here, it's nothing. There's no handshake, good old handshake, kind of yeah. with the bank manager or or the the commercial loan officer. So there's not not a lot of support that way. And the other option was like finance companies, um, which mm-hmm. were quite quite expensive, but they were they were lending money back in the day as a no dog and low dog, same like in America uh, and, and, and in Europe where they don't really look at your financial or your documentation. They mm-hmm. kind of, if you can fog a mirror, you can get a loan. So <laughs> up to about the, the global financial crisis that was yeah. available in New Zealand. Wow. Now it's coming back a little bit, but, but once the GFC hit, all of that financing disappeared completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, the criteria became really, really strict. They really mm-hmm. uh, squeezed down the, the, their own underwriting and what you need to qualify. So it became mm-hmm. really tough. And also, don't forget, I was a wholesaler. I was a trader. I was flipping houses. Right. I was buying, renovating, and selling. I was, uh, my income wasn't a salary W-2 right. income. It right. wasn't an income that they liked because one year it could be 50000 a year. One year it could be one hundred fifty thousand and and seventy thousand the next and fluctuating. Right. So right. so they don't like lending money to to people like that. You know, I've been doing it now for twenty years, so things evolved, and I, I got quite a bit of real estate now, which is paid off. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I traded some assets and paid down debts, and I positioned myself to 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 be, a, 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 if you like, a, a serviceable. I was I was positioned myself mm-hmm. that they would lend me money. But right. one of the reasons I moved to the States uh, for investing is because um, the, pri- the price to rent ratio makes sense and, yeah. the, and, and the lending environment is much more friendly. Gotcha. Um, so, so that's 
on a nutshell how I got to got it. So you've seen a lot of parts of different world.、Um, in your opinion, do you feel that investing in the states is still one of the best markets in terms of leveraging the debt and in terms of you know、uh, the the returns, the cash on cash returns, and etc. Would you say、um, United States is still one of the top market、um, after all your researches? Absolutely, no doubt, no、yeah. doubt. Absolutely, hundred、yeah. percent. In fact, it's getting tougher because、uh, you know there's a lot of not just foreign capi- foreign capital,、mm-hmm. but、uh, which, by the way, in New Zealand we had the market really bolted and cap rates compressed so much that the government introduced now、uh, the、uh, ban on foreigner buyers. So if,、oh, wow. if you, unless you're from Australia or、mm-hmm. Singapore, I believe you're not unable to buy a real estate in New Zealand.、Okay. So,、uh, and what is the cap rate、uh, in New Zealand right now? Just Put in the perspective of the viewers, you know, in terms of when they're investing U.S. and people are complaining, you know, well, how <laughs> hard to find the deals in U.S. Right now,、um, nowadays, nowadays, I mean, New Zealand—it's a big country. It's all of rural areas. Yeah. So in some of those areas,、um, you know, you might not want to buy because it's just there's nothing、right. in it. But the cap rates are pretty much,、uh, I would say, anything from two percent to maybe four percent on average.、Well, Yeah.、Uh, when I started,、um, it was it was higher,、uh, but commercial real estate. In saying that, commercial real estate、uh, cap rates traditionally were around six to eight percent cap rate.、Mm-hmm. Uh, some some of the rural of of more、uh, tertiary market, which I bought where we live in a smaller town, I got ten percent back、mm-hmm. in 2013. It was a good deal though,、uh, strip mall、mm-hmm. commercial, and you know、right. some industrial used to go for for nine percent. When when I was、uh, involved in some transaction back in、uh, in two thousand and nine two thousand and ten, but since then interest rates gone up so much as we know in 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 the U.S. So the demand for yielding assets for properties that generating income is、mm-hmm. gone so much、uh, so so high. So it actually compresses the cap right because right, right. Not, people are prepared to pay more, which in effect pushes the prices up, which、right. in effect creates a lower lower return. Right, right. When the interest rates kind of goes down, thank you for touching on that. When the interest rate kind of goes down to like right now three percent or like two and a half, sometimes we even see on commercial real estates,、um, the money becomes really cheap to borrow. So people will pay more because they can use the leverage, and that's kind of what's going on. What we're seeing. Hence, causing a cap rate compression、uh, per se. So I love that you just told us all this to set the expectations. But because at a two and four, two to four percent cap rate, you know, there's really nothing we can complain about over here investing in the states. So you stayed in New Zealand, and then now you're back in investing the U.S. What are some of the informations that keeps you up to date? Make you thinking about. The market as a global market where you can kind of invest remotely per se.、Um, what what are some like sources that you source that information from?、Um, and then later on, we'd love to kind of ask you a question on like, hey, when you invest in remotely, what are some stuff that you would share with our, you know, listener、um, uh, in terms of criteria? Yeah, there is a lot. There is a lot to unpack in your question, but <laughs> I just want to take a quick small step back and please please t- throw me back to your question. Uh, one of the information is that you need to know what's going on in the in the market, like you like you said, as a whole. Yeah. One of the things that we've seen now, and we've seen it in the last at least four, three to four years,、uh, and especially now with COVID, 
uh, we see, um, uh, first of all, interest rates are very low and money is cheap. So there's a lot of, of uh, liquid cash that is chasing yields, mm-hmm. chasing returns. So you need to know that. You need to know the economics in, in your market, in your chosen market. That's the, 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 the bare minimum and the principle of any dri- dri- drivers in the market. So that's number one. Number two, now with COVID, we see that asset classes like office, mm-hmm. like, uh, like uh, uh, hospitality, Right. Like um, uh, some some kind of retails uh, are not doing well at all. Right. So all of this capital now are going to go to the assets that are doing well, which mm-hmm. is multifamily, which is even single family expected to have a very good uh, run in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, and it's self-storage and, for example, even mobile home park, which we bought one in, uh, in with Abraham, by the way, mm-hmm. in, okay. uh, in Nashville. So, um, yes. So, um so, so if you know those things, you really need to know your, 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 what's going on within your market. Um, in terms of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of what tools I use further to that, um, I'm really uh, embarrassed myself in, in my chosen market. So we always teach also in the mastermind, you know, you need to choose one market to, to focus on and really, really get to know it instantly. No, get to know the employment growth, get to know the population growth, get to know which businesses are moving to town or living out of town. Really embrace yourselves of things that are uh, which that are important to know the economics, like recent sales, constantly monitor. I'm subscribing to the local uh, business journal, if you like. I get it online. So I get to know which banks are merging, which banks are moving in, expanding, uh, which real estate transaction is done, where where there's, for example, big read, uh, uh, like Amazon, if they're moving in and expanding or opening shop or, or fulfillment centers, mm-hmm. you really need to get to know your market. And you can do it through, uh, through uh, uh, subscribing to the local business bulletin, mm-hmm. networking with the fellow investor within your market, networking with brokers, Mm-hmm. And of course, you subscribe to the mailing list, quarterly updates. A lot of big companies, they make great quarterly upgrades. Mm-hmm. Even on, on uh, supply versus absorption, you want to know how much supply there is versus uh, absorption. If, if they're building too much and there's not enough demand, could be an oversupply issue, could affect prices and rents, for example. And you want to mm-hmm. talk to local lenders. Local lenders are great to tell you uh, as well, uh, uh, trends and, and all sorts of information. It's quite a, it's quite a dense uh, topic. If anybody is interested to get more mm-hmm. in depth on that, they can go on. Um, maybe you can link link for that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, we'll put the link down below. Yes. To my course, there is a course that I, I did. It's a free course. It's uh, it's actually a presentation that I've done for Dan Hanford from the Property Investors Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an ebook and a video course on the MFI Holding MFI Holding website. And you can download it for free and really uh, learn how I analyze markets and what, what you need to do to really get yourself um, established in a market. It's all about relationship and staying, staying really close to the ground and keeping your eyes open and getting all the information. Yeah. Um, and what kind of chose, like what kind of leads you to choose the particular market that you have right now? Because you're in the New Zealand and then you come over to the U.S. and you decided, hey, I'm going to invest in multifamily. Now, you don't have a deal yet. Before, what, back then, we didn't have a deal yet. Um, so did you pick a few market to kind of get in until you land your first deal? Or did you pick one particular market and kind of go really deep on that? Like, what would you say, looking back at the, the best course to kind of do that? 
for I, years. Uh, I, I, yes. So I actually decided that I'm going, I had some friends from New Zealand who invested in Memphis mm-hmm. and I went there and I liked what I seen. I made some relationships. So I jumped on bigger pockets. I started mm-hmm. deciding that I'm, I did some market research to see population growth, job growth, maybe some referrals that they had already from New Zealand to check out mm-hmm. Memphis. You know, price to rent ratio is very important for me. I'm, right. I'm, I'm not coming to buy a appreciation I, mm. i'm coming i'm coming to invest and i'm investing in assets when we can uh, manufacture equity and mm. manufacture yield because i'm mm. investing for cash flow equity and capital gain i have plenty in new zealand that's what you get in the low cap rate market right typically, right. typically it's an appreciation market so mm. i was wanting to find the balance so i i, I liked i liked uh, 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 jacksonville florida i went there i spent some time there i like the market a lot mm-hmm. but I, I was I found it to be very competitive. You know the yes. horse was busted, um, so so you know the the cap rates compressed. I like Salt Lake City. It's a great market. It's got everything mm-hmm. going for it, and it's mm-hmm. landlocked. So you can really you know you can really see the, the terrific market. Mm-hmm. But again, the prices were too you know it's very competitive, and the price to rent ratio wasn't good. So I ended up evolving and looking into other markets, like for myself personally, you know, mm-hmm. Tennessee and Arkansas, a bit of a more, you know, secondary tertiary markets, where uh, I, I just landed some friendships over there. I, mm-hmm. I had a good feeling about it, and I landed a good property management company, and I felt like it was a little bit over under the radar, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Not not anymore. Not anymore. It's getting really right. tough. So, you know, people don't jump up and down. It's just, you know, it's getting really tough. Uh, no, yeah. a lot of a lot of California money and, and Texas money and East Coast money coming and paying too much. Yeah. So what I would buy for 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 thirty or forty a door, they are going paying fifty, sixty a door, which right. maybe sounds sounds cheap if you're comparing it to Dallas or Phoenix yeah. when you're paying eighty a door. But you know the price under eighty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rents are not as high. Yes. You know? Yeah. So you have to remember that, and and we are buying we are buying value add. So you know we want to buy assets that you might require to put five to seven thousand a door, mm-hmm. which will push your all-in cost above what I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So you know um, we we so so that that's the reason it's really uh, the price to rent ratio, the network that I kind of felt that I could build, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the property management company that I I felt uh, would be a good fit. Got it. So that's so awesome that you kind of share basically a playbook on when you're investing remotely because the world is kind of your oyster. And it's like a lot of people are confused on, okay, when I go outside of my backyard, where can I even invest in? So selecting a few markets that's very interesting, use your criteria, whether you're a cash flow investor or equity investor or blend investor, um, these are all matters in terms of choosing your market, your strategy. So once you choose a market, how, what would you say, because uh, you kind of allude to it a little bit more, what would you say is you know the next step? But once you kind of figure out a market, but you kind of allude to a little bit more, it's like building your team. So how do you like build your team? And if there's a few things that you can kind of share around that. Very, very, very important point, Elisa. That, that's actually one of the reasons that I didn't feel that I can be in, in because I'm an optimist. You know, I, I looked at, at Salt Lake City. I said, hey, if I can get a good boots on the ground, somebody that will hustle with me and I can tell yeah. them, you know, I, I can make it happen. There's always deals in some markets. You just have to mm-hmm. get, you know, there's deals in LA. You yeah. just need to know what to look for. So, um, so, so the point is, uh, boots on the ground is is key. It's number one key. I I did I uh, I really um, uh, uh, um, formed friendships through bigger pockets initially, 
in in my market uh, that uh, I felt that was allowing me to rely on people mm-hmm. which uh, will, will will be open to work with me and uh, and 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 pretty much execute on things that I require. Like if we get a deal, they'll go and sign the contract because I'm doing a lot of direct to seller as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not only uh, relying on on broker relationship and and uh, and uh, and that that kind of on market opportunities. It's so right. competitive. So at some point, I actually went to look at Kansas City, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I love the market. I think it's it's, it's very very good market. Right. In a way, the horse is bolted over there as well. There's a lot of capital chasing there, and mm-hmm. it's not no longer a secret if you like. Yeah. Um, I went there and I was try I was trying to to establish myself there. I made a lot of relationship because I had right a networker. You know, I'm able to 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 find who's 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 where and 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 connect them and get referrals mm-hmm. referrals is very important so when you want to build your team it's all about referrals you need to get referral for a for even fellow investors that could work with you for lenders for property managers for handyman mm-hmm. for subcontractors for everything for even yeah. for a sign maker to make yeah. signs on your property whatever but in KC I just felt for example that uh, I wasn't able to pick up momentum because I wasn't able on my own to put, to give it the 120% as well as mm-hmm. I do in my market. I know my the, my market like the back of my hand. Yeah. You know, I got this, I got a catalog of all the multifamilies over there. I know them all. I know when they're traded. I know how many units. I know a lot of details about it. Yeah. Which family, which family owns large portfolios that you should stay in touch with. In mm-hmm. KC, it's a bigger market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still doable. And I did, I am familiar with the areas and everything, but I just did not have the feeling of boots on the ground. Yeah. So what happened now, just to, to give you an example, through the MIH Mastermind, as you can see, the MIH Mastermind right here, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, uh, I started this, uh, this Mastermind with Marco Barbaro, which is Gino's brother, you know, from Jake mm-hmm. and Gino. Yeah. It's just how we met through Jake yes. and Gino. Yeah. I'm also a coach for Jake and Gino, by the way. Great, great uh, coaching business to be, and a great, I mean, a coaching community, if you like, to, to right. be a part of. Helped me a lot. That's part of my success is that I joined a like-minded community, joined Jake and Gino, mm-hmm. learned the trade, learned, I mean, been doing real estate for 20 years is one thing, but when you go and start multifamily, there are things that you need to learn. Mm-hmm. So um, that really was a part of my success is joining a like-minded community like mm-hmm. Jake and Gino. And I was one of the first students. I joined them like uh, four years ago almost. Right. So, um, so anyway, I started the mastermind with Marco and uh, it, it's now evolved to be, um, uh, we, we focus on, on, on quality, not quantity. So we have mm-hmm. seven or eight groups. Each group have four to six people in it yeah. and um, in different locations. And we create teams. So mm-hmm. now we have few members. One of them is based in KC mm-hmm. and he's really good at finding deals. And, uh, and we create teams. So he's the deal finder. We got another one who's in charge on financing. I'm in mm-hmm. charge on, on generating leads because I got all the off-market uh, um, you know, experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a, guy, a couple of guys that do the underwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got Marco is good at you know, bringing up uh, funds to the table. Yeah. If you like raising capital in a way. Um, attracting capital, let's put it this right. way. Right. Um, so, uh, so, so, so now I'm able to operate. We actually got two, two deals under contract right now. Nice, congrats. So, so, yeah. so, so, so the involvement of, of, of the growth, if you like, um, as well through the mastermind was actually a really game changer for me because initially I was, hey, I'm going to come into my market. My target is 100 units self-funded. So I want to buy 100 units on my own. 
I reached my, my, my income goals because when I started from New Zealand, I actually said, hey, I'm going to bring a couple of hundred thousand dollars from New Zealand for my portfolio mm-hmm. over there. And mm-hmm. I'm going to use that as a seed capital and I'm going to roll it and let it grow to, to be a portfolio for refi and roll. Mm-hmm. Buy, add value, refinance and roll it to the next deal. Right. The velocity of money, as we call it. The velocity yeah. of- so, but, but, but through the mastermind, and through building teams in different markets, we now have a team in Florida. We have another team in other markets. Yeah. Um, Marco just invested in a deal in uh, in Tucson, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so we, we just bought a mobile home park with a partner in in, uh, in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, off market. So uh, so through building teams, we were able to actually scale and and be involved in more opportunities. And you know it, Alisa, mm-hmm. because you also do quite a bit. Uh, uh, partnerships and, and investing with other fellow investors just right. allows you to have their diversification, but mm-hmm. also allows you to have uh, your hands in different pies. You know, right. in some of them, you might be more active. In some of them, you might have a less active role, but still maybe doing uh, other parts yeah. of partnership, which you yeah. need to call. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like having control over these assets and whatnot. We're actually going more vertical per se over here, so that we can have a more controls and more uh, kind of input into some of these projects. Um, that's fantastic because what you just impact. There's so much impact you you just did over there. Um, so what Hadar is kind of talking about over here is also just to summarize it up is identifying sometimes it's the initial of wanting to give back in this case like Hadar wanted to give back like all these knowledge that he has learned so he started the MIH mastermind uh, which is really a place for people to learn uh, you know hold each other accountable in their journey to um, you know uh, multifamily investing but it turned out to be sounds like more benefits also giving back to him. Uh, the intention was always kind of giving forward. Um, so oftentimes the universe has a very interesting way when you give more, you receive more in a way that you kind of discovered like, oh, now you can actually re- leverage other people's resources. And we're not talking about money only, but people's time and like knowledges and locations and all the other things, which makes him successful in investing remotely um so also thinking bigger and identifying mentors to think bigger taking into a next level as well um well hadar you just unpacked so many different things i don't know if all our viewer has picked up on that i just want to kind of take a note on that um so moving forward to so thinking about um you know it's great that do you still have business back in new zealand right now because yes. i know you still live in new zealand yes, um, yes. I, I still do. I still do. I got yeah. a flipping business here. I, apart from my real estate, which I kind of manage, I got a flipping business here because mm-hmm. I started as a wholesaler and I created the, the webuyproperty.co.nz, which is the equivalent of the webuyhouses of New Zealand. Right. Uh, America, I created it many years ago and it still ranks really well. Yeah. So I get quite on, on Google. So I get quite a lot of leads coming in. Uh, 90% of them are not good. So I got a system now that I'm referring it to a broker who pays me a referral fee uh, if they list and sell. And that's, yeah. that adds up to significant amount. That's um, awesome. and, and, and the ones that, that are worth buying, I'm, I'm buying, f- fixing and selling. And actually, uh, we got a, a two or three members. We got three members in New Zealand that joined the US Mastermind because they want yeah. to invest in apartments. Um, and, and one of them is based in my market and he's actually 
apart from being a, a good, he's an engineer, so he knows, you know, I buy a lot of de damaged houses and fix them up. So he's okay. actually doing, he did a partnership with me uh, on a deal and uh, he made half of his yearly annual salary nice. in three months. Wow. Uh, and he's a, because he was in the mastermind, I said, I'm going to, you know, I want to give him a chance to, to be part of the deal. And yeah. he went in, he made about $75,000 in three months. And, wow. um, and, and, and now I got another deal, which I closed on, uh, just I'm doing it now. And he's managing it for me. So he's doing some rem I'm remotely kind of, mm. I'm, it's, it's six hours drive from where I never invest. To, apart from the commercial property that I own here in, in my, my town where I live, which is a small town. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much real estate here apart from that and our, and our family farm, small farm kind of home. Gotcha. Uh, because there's no opportunities in a small market. So I've always been investing remotely. So mm -hmm. now I got him over there and he's really uh, uh, kind of boots on the ground and he is helping me to manage the projects there. Um, so it, it, takes, it allows me to, to, to keep that going um, and um, you know, make reasonable amount of, uh, of income in New Zealand, but mm -hmm. also um, in, in, in the US through my investing, through the mastermind. The mastermind is really, uh, it wasn't started for the purpose, as you said, to generate a lot of money. Like we say, we don't, we're not looking to grow it uh, too massive. We are more of a quality of a quantity. We got people who typically transition from single family to multifamily mm -hmm. or people who, who want to, to scale the business. They can't find deal. They still got W2 and they want to, 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 to work as a team. And we just create like an ecosystem of a deal finder, deal sponsor mm -hmm. group of people that could work and, and, and make things happen. So yeah, um, it's, really, it's really growing to something like that. Um, and we, we're kind of limiting it because Marco and I, both of us, we also work with them on mindset. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mindset is pretty, pretty much 80% of the success. The mechanics is maybe 20%. You, once you know the ABC mm -hmm. of, of, of real estate investing in multifamily, we, only learn, we always learn something. But right. once you know the, the principles, you, you really need to have the mindset to have the persistent, the grit, mm -hmm. the focus right. uh, to actually uh, execute and follow your plan. So right. we create we we create quarterly action plan. We create mm -hmm. a vision board, and we make sure that mindset is a very very small, a very very important part of it. And the accountability is the glue that tie commitments to results. Right, right, absolutely. I love it. I love how that's being said. Um, that's awesome. So Hadar, um, what is um, so basically you touched upon? You know, I'm very curious about your way of choosing your teammate, your process of choosing your partners and teammate, right? So like, how do you, when, cause we have a lot of members asking like, well, um, how do you go out there and look for partners? And how do you know the person you're talking to? So most people that you meet, you know, you're not gonna be partnered with, but certain people you meet, you decided that this is someone that I can partner with in the future. Um, so how, what is your process of selecting and your criteria? Uh, for someone who's kind of new getting into it, um, perhaps not having built a lot of eyes or trust on it. So do you have anything to share there? Okay, so there are, there are a few things, few points. First of all is a gut feeling. You know, I need to like the person, mm -hmm. you know, but with, with saying that, it's, it's also the person has to have a complementary skills. Mm -hmm. So they need, they need to be complementary skill to me. And Marco and I, for example, with the mastermind, I would never, I always wanted to help people to, you know, to succeed and, and, and get them educated because 
I always mm-hmm. kind of wanted to share that, but I never, I never really knew that I need a partner or yeah. even knew what a partner should be look like. And, you know, it, it was almost like uh, we met in Orlando last year in Jake mm-hmm. and Gino's event. You were yeah. there as well. And, yeah. uh, and we, we, he, I heard him talking about maybe doing a mastermind and I gave him my card and said, hey, let's talk. And it's just evolved to that, but we have a terrific complementary skill, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so I think complementary skill is very important. Like, you know, when, you, when, when the best teams are made, you have uh, different people doing different roles. Mm. Then things go smoothly. Then there is action, actions happening. And it's like a puzzle that fits mm. and, and things are rolling. Um, I mean, some, sometimes you have people working on things together. But uh, if, you, if you have a partnership, which uh, the, each person has a different role, complementary skills, it's very, very important. I right. think that work ethics, work ethics is also number one. I mean, everything is very, very important. So work ethics, communication skills, mm-hmm. honest. You know, all those, all those uh, characters that you want with, uh, with your partner. Work mm-hmm. ethics is very important. We don't look who works harder or, 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 or hey, he worked more hours than me. I, we both I, make it happen. We both walk up, wake up in the morning uh, early and we, we go in and we give it everything we can. Mm-hmm. We both, which is another point to mention, we both jump on calls with students, uh, not only on the monthly meetings. If somebody needs an urgent or they want to talk about something, they need help with the deal. Right. We jump across with them. We, we, we are giving them personal attention. That's right. why we're keeping it small as well. Right. right. We're keeping it small because we want to be able to offer that. Right. But um, it's very important to have allocation of roles. Now, if someone is starting up and they want to join a team, they need to think to themselves, how, to, how can they add value to mm-hmm. a team? And more, yeah, of, more often than not, uh, people will not know unless they start, like we got this in the mastermind where people starting up, they, they mm-hmm. don't really know what's going to be their fit. But I think first, first start, if your work ethics and your commitments and your mm-hmm. truthfulness and open openness and respect to other people is there and you're mm-hmm. able to communicate, you will find your niche. Not yeah. everybody likes underwriting. Not everybody likes to do the broker relationship because they're mm-hmm. maybe an introvert. An introvert yeah. doesn't like to do broker relationship. Maybe they're more good at the back end, investors relationship by email. Maybe they're yeah. good on asset management at the back end. Maybe mm-hmm. they're good on underwriting. An mm-hmm. extrovert is more of a, of a broker relationship, walking the properties, investors relationship out there kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, like me and you, we are, we are kind yeah. of an extrovert a little bit. You know, right. look how much we talk. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, that's how you know. You go and you, and you try and, and then, you, then you will feel and a mentor as well, a coach, could, which, which looking at it from a 30,000 foot can see how people are operating, what they're good at to get to know you, could actually guide you towards mm-hmm. your, uh, your, 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 your place, which mm-hmm. I found it very important. I actually had two students recently. They said, I want to talk to you. Um, uh, you know, we want to quit our W2. Um, they're, they're on a very high salary, but they want to quit. They want to do it full time. Um, and, and we don't know what we're going to do within the team. Should we do this? Should we do this? And, and we talked about it and we, we gave them some clarity that, you know, you don't have to think that you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, split the roles within your team. Um, one thing to mention, though, important, um, and I want to iterate that because it happened to me a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody called me, they wanted some advice about something, not member of the mastermind, mm-hmm. member of Jake and Gino. Yeah. And the, in the end of the conversation, uh, they came. They asked me, 
um, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and I always uh, think, and I, I think I heard it from Brandon Turner, and it's really resonated, right. Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets, that if you come to me, I'm busy, you know, I'm full on mm -hmm. going on. I kind of got my market under control. There's always room to improve. There's always room to add things. But, you know, we're very aware of the, of, of the process of our growth, the system that we put together to mm -hmm. be efficient and everything. If you come to me and you ask me, how can I help you? Uh, you're actually creating me work now and to work out to figure out how can you help me. Yeah. If you come to me and tell me, hey, I can help you with A, B, C, um, for example, generating leads, uh, doing skip tracing, doing cold calling, doing, you know, doing, uh, doing uh, website work, doing online, whatever. You know, yeah. if you come to me and offer me your help with specific things that you may be good at, underwriting, you know, then you come and you add value to me and you, and you provide me a solution and not making me think about a solution for something that I don't even know what I need. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that because I had that happen to me. A couple times too, people always say, "Hey, how can I?" I appreciate, you know, like the the the, the intentional help. Now you just hit the hammer on the head. Um, you know, I just had a aha moment. I was like, "Why did I always dread that question?" And you just kind of like gave me a whole thought process. I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Like, because then I have to recognize what they're. Because it, it takes a lot for me to think about how can I take on the help or whatnot. Because it takes a lot in terms of understanding who they are, recognizing their talent, and then put them in the right places. Uh, versus if someone had a suggestions on a certain process, hey, I appreciate people would say, hey, I noticed on your website, there's this and that that can be improved. I love these very specific, you know, feedback on things too. So thank you so much for me. For I learned something today, you know, like helping me kind of resolve that okay, why is it like dreading that question a little bit more, you know? Uh, very interesting. Um, awesome. Well, Hadar, um, towards the end of, now it's like a ton of towards the end of our interview here. There's so much unpack over here. Obviously, we, you and I can talk like for 10 hours straight. We know that. Um, and so uh, in order for our viewers to find you, what's the best way do they keep in touch with you? Well, the, 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 there's two ways, but I mean, let's keep it in one way is the, the MIH Mastermind website. So mihmastermind.com. Mm -hmm. If you like, there is a contact us page. You can shoot me a message from there and I will pick it up. You only need to see that you heard me on Elisa's uh, show. And you can also call me or text me on 501-251-8201. 501-251-8201. It's a US number. And um, you can visit the MIH Mastermind on the education tab. Uh, there are There is a, a free education tab there when we have, uh, uh, you can sign up and you can receive a lot of uh, videos that we did with them um, about mobile home park, about apartment investing, about many, many, many things that uh, you, you, you'll enjoy. So the real estate cycle and, and just go there and have a look and enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Now, we always like to wrap up our interview with a few unconventional questions. So I guess I'm going to just kind of go. It's not really exactly a fire round. But um, so what is your what would you recommend someone to read when they're thinking about switching their business from a, for example, single family home to a multifamily or some sort of skill up? What would you say is the best book that you would recommend them? There are many, many books, uh, but one book which is really great, uh, for example, by David Finkel. It's, uh, he's the founder of Maui Mastermind, and it's uh, Build a Business, Not a Job. That's, that's a book that really helped me to, to scale 
the, my business to get a lot, uh, get a lot of things automated, get a lot of help from virtual assistant, and really think. You know, it's a bit more like uh, um, that book. Um, you know, that book about the. Um, Emit. Uh, Emit, yeah, Dave, uh, yeah, that guy Gerber. You know, the yeah. Emit, of course. But yeah. the Emit is good. The Emit is good. I implemented that when we bought when we bought uh, uh, the commercial building. We ended up. Uh, with the with the with the pizza place over there, so I actually used the image to implement uh, like a franchise model uh, to systemize the stuff and all of that. Uh, so the image is good, but build a business, not a job, is really good, easy kind of good. And um, there are many other books that could be good, but I'm big on mindset, so I'm, I really think that, uh, for example, the Slight Edge by uh, Jeff Olson is a very good one. The slide mm -hmm. edge by uh, Je Jeff Olson. It's a good one, which allows you to to really um, have the right mindset for success, because mindset is very important. This business is a tough business. Sometimes right. you have um, big big breaks before drinks, as we call, in terms of finding deals and all of that. So you really need to to have the right mindset to to persevere and, and continue. Mm -hmm. And another uh, another good uh, good book is the compound effect, mm -hmm. which is uh, another good. Uh, by Darren Hardy, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that's just a, a good book. If you think about it, to get results, you really need to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again until it succeeds and it's compounded. And mm -hmm. you, know, you improve on it. But sometimes as well, especially with a slight edge, the message is perhaps if you keep doing what you've, you have been doing so far, you'll get the same results. Mm -hmm. If you want to get different results, better results, change what you're doing, Learn from experienced uh, uh, investors, coach, and, and change what you're doing so you can actually um, propel yourself to the next level because we don't know what we don't know sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and we need we need this networking. We need this environment of growth to, mm -hmm. to, to succeed. So mindset yeah. is very important. Yeah, and then helping, finding a mentor definitely help accelerate that too. Um, and so the other question I have over here is, so you have children. Um, what are you teaching them to foster uh, their habits to become a successful in individual or encourage them to be an entrepreneur, side, uh, entrepreneur mindset? My, my kids, my children are quite, uh, quite young. My, my daughter is, uh, is, is actually, she's almost 16. So she started work now. Um, I keep telling her um, and my son as well. I kind of uh, keep giving them uh, the nudge or the, 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 the idea that uh, me being the, I, I've been working from home and if you like uh, financially independent for, for a long time now. Yeah. I, keep, I keep trying to shed light on them to tell them, hey, the reason I'm able to go and with you to, with my son to all these rugby games and spend time with him going mountain bikes or, or go with my daughter uh, to, to, for shopping spree or whatever, you know, just going, spend some time <laughs> together sometimes and, and, and take them around and whatever. Um, the reason is, is because I'm my own boss and I have a passive income, which is generated by tenants who live in, in, the, in the real estate. And mm -hmm. that allows me to live lifestyle by design. We used to go up to about uh, a year or two ago before my daughter used to go on uh, to high school. We used to go on like uh, six or eight weeks holidays every mm -hmm. year. And yeah. then another time, two weeks. So, so that allows us to live the lifestyle by design because we made the right choices with our with our employment, you know, with, with, right. what, with how we how we generate our income. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of uh, the, the the main thing that I'm trying to show them um, mm -hmm. that this, I don't want to be 
um, depending on other people, like in my case, as a mm -hmm. W2, I want to live the lifestyle by design, by choice. Yeah. The second thing is that I'm trying really hard is, the, is to try and, and, and show them uh, to live frugally as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we, 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 I, we could be much more, but I, you know, I don't think we actually as much. But for me, small things uh, like uh, don't leave the lights on if you leave the room or if you do stuff like that. You know, make sure mm -hmm. that you're not you, 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 you're careful with your money. You know, mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to go. I don't buy new cars ever, mm -hmm. you know, from the company. I, I don't want to. I, I would rather buy a car. Uh, we just bought a new car, but it's not mm -hmm. new. It's 2013. You know, yeah. but it's Japanese import. It's it's like new, very yeah. low mileage and very spotless. But hey, because I tell them, if you buy a new car, the day you left the dealership, you lost twenty percent. <laughs> right, know? right. And stuff like that. So so just stuff like that to be mindful of of those financials. And and another thing I told them is that when you're ready, if you want to go to Florida and walk with Jake and Gino as a, as an insert. Yeah, and 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 do the the youth academy that Jake and Gino uh, uh, created. Um, I will support you, and I'll, I might even come with you. And you know, it's on me. I just yeah. want you, to, and you know, you can spend time with 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 Marco, with his family. You know, just to get to know them and get yeah. into real estate. And and when you're ready, if it's something you want to do, um, in my view, it's better than university. I didn't tell them that, but uh, you know, I <laughs> yeah. want them to understand uh, that. Um, the mainstream of going to university and learning something that you're never going to use isn't one approach, right. but the entrepreneurial spirit of, of doing something that you will enjoy and you can really make a good living out of it um, without going through the, the mainstream. It's mm -hmm. another approach because we have some people that I know who, who are in the mastermind and they're young and they're going to university now, almost graduating, but the only reason they are there is because of their parents. Right. They don't want to be there. Right. You see? right. Yeah. And, and so, so it's finding the balance and it's important for me that the kids will enjoy doing what they choose to do, you know, but even if they want to do and the profession, if you like, later on will be something which is, which is not really a, 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 a great opportunity to be successful. If they want to learn something, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Just understand that real estate could give you the freedom to, to do both. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Because um, I grew up in the family. Yeah. And I grew up in a family, I, you know, you're forced upon that schedule uh, where you go to a college and after college, you get a job. And that, you know, at some point, I think much later in the life, realize that's not the only way to live. So you have some stuff that you have to unwind as well. So it's great that you giving your kids the opportunity to think outside the box, essentially. Um, last question I have is what is your daily routine that keeps you motivated? Um, and keep going because being an entrepreneur, it sounds really sexy. I think it's like a new sexy things now, but um, you know, it's actually really a hard life in terms of uh, you got to be, keep on motivated, keep going in this business. Um, so what do you do that you think directly contribute to you having the energy and motivations to do it every day? Three, three main things. And we teach that as well. One is my weekly sheet which nice. is uh, I write down everything in my weekly sheet or on my calendar. So everything is scheduled. You know, I, I kind of, the important things needs to be done and I cross it out and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. My mm -hmm. weekly sheet, I print both sides and that's last week. That's this week started. And uh, two is meditation almost mm -hmm. every morning. Uh, it, it's just life changing for me. It's de-stressing. It's clearing the mind, make you be able to be sharp. Mm -hmm. And three 
is exercise, regular nice. exercise. So, I mean, I like running, I like yoga. Uh, some, you know, that's my main, my main two things uh, in terms of exercise. Uh, I like sing sometimes. But uh, those three things is my, my main, my, my core three. Scheduling time, um, my meditation, which I do, I just do and do, uh, you know, meditation, breathing meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go for a run. I actually managed to squeeze around this morning before we, we started. I, I, you know, all that's right. It's that... a morning for, at, at the, in New Zealand over there. Yes, yes that's awesome. Yes. It's, Super uh, early. It's supposed to be really hot today as well. So I didn't want to go run and, uh, in like 80 degrees or something, something like that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hadar, for spending the time with us today. Another episode of 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. It was really an honor, honor to have you on. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Alisa. I'm grateful for you having me on the show. It was great. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence. This can be you. What if today was the day you started the countdown clock to your financial independence? Join many others like you at www.easyfiuniversity.com to get started.